through to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks again for joining us for our next lesson on the book of Ephesians. Today, in our lesson, we're going to be going over Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24, and we're going to look at the old man versus the new man. We're going to see how, as believers, we can live like the old man, which is not what we should be doing, but rather, we should put on the new man, which is from God and in righteousness and truth. We can do this by renewing our mind on truth. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. All right, everybody turn to Ephesians chapter 4. As you guys know, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and we have been uh, looking at it verse by verse, and we are in Ephesians chapter 4 now. If you guys remember a long time ago, we used to, or we were looking at the first three chapters and how they were theological and talking about theology, and now chapter 4, Paul starts getting practical. He starts talking about some practical things, and today is very practical as well. Um, but the last maybe four weeks we've been in Ephesians chapter 4, we've been talking a lot about unity, uh, if you guys remember. And if you were at the thing on Friday night, Brent also talked about unity. If you guys remember the bridge illustration with the, yeah, the steel and the concrete, okay, and the unity there, three chords uh, put together like cording. And so today we're not talking about unity. It goes along with unity. The whole book goes along with unity. Uh, but really, we're talking about the old versus the new. Okay, the old versus the new. And we're going to see that we should be acting like who we are. Okay, we're acting like who we are. And if you remember, chapters 1 through 3, I know it was a long time ago, it talked about who we were. Who we are as a church, who we are as believers and individuals. Okay, and now, Paul in this section is like, hey, you need to be acting like who you are in Christ. And he's going to make a distinction between old man and new man. And what I want you guys to remember... Okay, for this, when we're talking about old man and new man, you can, you can classify old man as who you were before you believed, and new man as who you are after you believed. Uh, but sometimes that can get kind of confusing. Okay? And it's better to think of, I think, personally, it's better to think or view old man as someone without God, and new man as someone with God. Okay? Because when you're without, sometimes as a believer, you can be not without God in one sense, but in one sense without God because you're out of fellowship, right? Or acting outside of God's will. Right, and so this is really where Paul is going with this, and we'll see it. We, even as believers, can act outside of God's will or act the way we shouldn't, like the old man, excluded from God. Or we can act in unison with God, in union with God in the way we should, walking in the Spirit, as Galatians 5.16 says. So we'll be thinking about that as we go through. I want to read it. So we're going to read verse 17 all the way through 24. Okay, and this is Ephesians chapter 4. It says, So this I say... And I affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of purity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, just as truth in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day that you've given to us. Uh, we thank you for your word. 
uh, and how awesome it is, God. And I just pray uh, that today you'd encourage or convict us as we as needed, God, and that uh, we just look at your word and see how how we should live, God, in our everyday life. Um, we love you, and we pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so when I think about new things, okay, these are some new things that I like, okay? Number one, socks, okay? I love new socks, okay? Number one, because old socks slide down my feet and get all crinkly at the end, right? But new, fresh socks, they feel really good on my feet, so I love new socks, okay? Got a couple other things. Okay, I love new vehicles, okay? Mainly, you're going to figure out that a lot of the new things for me have to do with smell, okay? And new vehicles smell really good. How many like the new vehicle smell? Yeah, you got to love that new vehicle smell. And you can get those little, you know, air fresheners that make it smell like that, but it's really not the same, you know, and that new car smell, I love it. Um, I love the new car smell. I love new cars in general, too. I mean, that, just because they're new cars, I mean, it's pretty cool. Um, I love new board games. This one doesn't have to do with smell, okay? It is. It is Catan, and I loved Catan uh, when I didn't know how to play it. I love learning new, ga- new board games, okay? I don't know if you know that about me. There's a couple other things. New house, again, because of the smell. Okay, I remember when I walked into Brent and Lori's house for the first time, and it smelled like a new house. And I was like, ah, it smells so good. Uh, I love the smell of new house. And I actually like, like when houses are in this state, like being constructed, I like that smell too. Okay, so I like the new house smell. I like new houses, obviously, too. because like I do, because it smells good. It does, yeah. That new lumber, that fresh cut lumber, ah, oh, smells good. It smells fresh. It smells clean. I like the new, right? And the final one. I like new blankets. Yes, they're so soft. Yes. So soft. Yes, I, I like buying like a new blanket like every Christmas because it's so soft and so like, I don't know, soft. It's just so good. I love new blankets. We like new things. What? Well, probably depends on the blanket on that one. I don't know about the smell of a new blanket. I do like a new, like a warm blanket that comes out of the dryer and smells like gain. That smells good, okay? But I like new things. You guys probably like new things too. Uh, today, Paul tells the church to put off the old self and put on the new self. Okay, and we're going to talk about what that means. We're going to spend a lot of time looking at what the old self is because Paul spends uh, three verses going into detail about it. Uh, and then we're going to look at the new self. And then the next couple weeks, we're actually going to be talking about practically what that new self looks like. Uh, as he goes through and finishes out chapter 4, he gives us like some very practical, hey, uh, um, don't steal. Okay, that's one of them. Let no unwho- uh, unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Like stuff like that that's very practical about the new self. Uh, and we're going to talk about the new self today, uh, but we're going to spend some time on the old self. So that's the first thing. So if you are taking notes, okay, this would be like your point number one. Okay, you would write in the old man. I think it already says the, and then you say old man. Yeah, it's just a picture of an old man I found. So I hope you enjoy that. It's for your benefit. Okay, the old man. So we're going to look at the old man. So this starts in verse 17. Let's look at it. He says, So this I say. Okay, so he says, So. So it's kind of like, Therefore, because. Because of these things that we've been talking about. So I say, And affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk. Okay, so he says, We shouldn't walk as we used to walk. He says, no longer. Okay, No longer would mean that we at one time were walking in that way, and now we shouldn't walk in that way anymore. We should no longer walk um, as one uh, who is on the old, old self. And we'll look at the old self in a second, the old man. Uh, he says old man specifically later on. But here he's talking about that old man. He's in, inferring to that old man. He says, hey, no longer walk 
as that uh, Gentiles do. Okay, or the Gentiles is the old way of living, which we'll look at in a second. And so he's telling believers, right? Because we look back, way back to like chapter one, two, and three, and Paul is writing to who? Anybody remember? Church at Ephesus, right? And if you guys remember, he actually called the church at Ephesus the faithful church. Okay, so not only were they believers, but they were actually believers who were living the right way uh, for the most part, not that they were perfect. Uh, and so he's talking to believers and he says, hey, don't walk in this way that you used to walk. And so kind of what I said at the beginning uh, pertains here. He says uh, that we can go back and live the old way. Uh, and sometimes we think that, hey, since we're believers or whatever, we're not going to live like unbelievers live okay but that's not true all of us have the temptation to walk in the flesh rather than in the spirit and i have a an illustration for you guys you guys how many of you guys know who that guy is Fitzmagic. yeah okay Fitzmagic or Fitzpatrick. it's ryan Fitzpatrick, and he is a quarterback in the nfl okay and he's known because he's played for a ton of different teams okay and he's not one of those backups that like you know has always backed somebody up on a different team like he started for like I think seven of the nine different teams at some point so he's played for a ton of different NFL teams and one of the good things uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick said about uh, playing for all those different teams was he knew a lot of different offenses and so like he just this year started playing for Washington uh, and he got hurt like the first day okay but he started playing for Washington and some guys were talking to him and he's like hey you know I've seen a ton of different offenses and you guys know that in the NFL they you know all these guys they have different playbooks right and you can open up a playbook and there's tons of different plays and the quarterback has to know all that especially if the starting quarterback right and so he's like I know all these all these different offenses but when I came to Washington the style is just different and I, I feel like I had to relearn a ton of new stuff because it's so much different than all the rest okay now the reason I bring that up is because sometimes if you're playing football okay and you're the quarterback you can start playing like you're playing for a different team okay not that he plays for a different team okay he's on Washington but he played for Miami for a long time and he could start playing the style of Miami football instead of the style of Washington football and what happens is his team starts playing bad because he's not playing the right style of football that he's supposed to be playing he's now on the Washington Redskins but just because he's playing like he was playing when he was in Miami doesn't mean he's still a Miami football player He's a Washington football player, regardless of how he plays. Even if he's playing the style of Tampa Bay or Miami or one of those other eight teams that he's on, he's still a Washington football player, Washington football quarterback. Does that make sense? Sometimes us, okay, even though we're a believer, even though we're a child of God, sometimes we play, okay, play as in live the Christian life like we're a non-believer or like we're without God. Does that make sense? And so that's what Paul is getting at. Okay, so why does he use the word Gentiles? Okay, because, you know, I start reading this, and I'm like, okay, Paul, why did you say Gentiles? Because you just got done talking about how Jews and Gentiles are one body, right? That's what we just got done talking about? Everybody remember that? Yeah, raise your hand if you remember that. Okay, good. All right, we just got done talking about how Jews and Gentiles are in one body, okay? And so then he says, hey, don't walk like the Gentiles. Well, the Gentiles and Jews are one body. So what's he saying here? Why is he, why is he bringing this up? And Paul, what he's doing here is he's using the Gentiles as an example of godlessness. Okay, remember Ephesians 2. And I know we're going back a lot. Okay, but this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, Remember that you at one time were separate from Christ. You, the you there is Gentiles. Okay, you Gentiles were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners in covenant of promise, without hope, 
or sorry, yeah, without hope and without God in the world. And remember how we talked about how Gentiles before Christ were excluded from Israel, right? And so they didn't have God with them like Israel did. They weren't chosen to serve like Israel was. They had they were excluded from a lot of stuff. And now, post Christ, okay, we can be with God, right? James four eight says, "Draw near to God, and um, He'll draw near to you." And that the remember we talked about the temple and how when Christ died and He rose again, that veil was torn, saying that now we can be with God and stuff like that. So we don't have to be with Israel in that way. And so back to Ephesians chapter four. Okay, when he says Gentiles, he's talking about being without God. And I think he's talking about unbelievers. Okay, I think he's talking about unbelievers, but it could go either way. You could say, um, you know, he's not talking about unbelievers necessarily. But I think he is. I think, he, I think he's saying we shouldn't live like the unbelievers and Gentiles, meaning without God, those who are without God. Because if you're without God, you're living. You're not living in God's plan, right? You're not walking in the Spirit. Can you walk in the Spirit if you're not a believer? Julian says no. Hey, everybody, what does everybody else say? That's what you mean by walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, like, uh, rather than walking in the flesh, walking in the Spirit would be like uh, doing what God calls us to do. Okay, so like the Holy Spirit is inside the believers, right? We just talked about that. So walking in the Spirit would be following the Spirit or listening to the Spirit. So, example, if uh, my mom said, take out the trash, okay, and I saw zero benefit for myself, in taking out the trash, my flesh would say, no, I don't want to take out the trash because there's no benefit for myself, right? That's self-serving. That's walking in the flesh. Walking in the Spirit would say, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to obey my mom because that's what the Spirit would lead me to do. That's what the Bible calls me to do. That's what truth is. It's what God calls me to do. So the Spirit is God, right? And so walking in the Spirit would be, in that case, obedience to my mom. That's just an example, but... That's kind of good. Yeah. Well, so I think I don't think you can walk according to the spirit as an unbeliever. But I do think that you can take out the trash. So that is true because of the motivation. I don't think the Holy Spirit is going to be prompting someone who is not a believer. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with you one hundred percent. Okay. And Brent makes a really good point. Okay. Uh, you can't take out the trash. Okay. But then there, there, the motivation. You're right. The motivation. So. I could still take out the trash, okay, uh, as a non-believer, right? Yeah, okay. So there's a lot of reasons I, I would take out the trash, though. Number one, I won't get in trouble, okay? Number two, there may be benefit later on for me taking out the trash. Number three, I may want to take out the trash, okay? So there's lots of different ben- different uh, uh, motivations, like Brent is saying, okay? Um, so that's a good point, Brent. Uh, all right, so... I lost my train of thought here. Hold on one second. So without God. Okay, so Paul's saying Gentiles are without God. Um, he's not saying that we, because we are Gentiles, are without God. He's, he's talking about a mindset. He's talking about, and we'll see it in just a second. He's talking about those who are without God in attitude and mindset. Okay, and it could be non-believers. And he's saying, hey, you shouldn't walk like the non-believers walk um, in that way. Does that make sense to you guys? So what's the attitude of non-believer? I think this is the question. What's the attitude? This is what he goes in, the last part of 17 all the way through 19. He talks about the attitude of a non-believer um, and what it's like because we can fall into the trap of living in that way too. Right? I mean, can we live like non-believers? Yeah, for sure. Okay? It doesn't have anything to do with salvation, uh, but we can live like non-believers. So what's the first thing he talks about? I think it's, a, it's their perspective. Okay, This is at the end of verse 17. He says, 
Don't walk as the Gentiles also walk in futility of their mind. Okay, that word futility means like empty or void or vain, futile, okay? And so it's like vain, it's, it's worthless. So uh, the perspective is one that leads nowhere but to death. Okay, if you look at James, uh, he says that sin leads to death. We know that. Uh, but their goals and ambitions, okay, are purposeless. Okay, they may think they have a, a goal or a purpose in life, but they don't. And so we, we can do that too a lot of times. And the thing that I like to use an example, this is the easy one, is those who are like focused on, let's say, money. Okay, if your whole goal in life is to be rich, okay, what does Solomon say about it, about riches? Well, there's good stuff about it, right? There's good stuff about being rich. Is it fun to be rich? Yeah. Yeah, can you get stuff? It's in the end, it's void, right? It's it's worthless in the end, right? It's worthless in the end. Okay, what if I'm um, what if I'm an NFL quarterback and my life is football? My pursuit is to be the best quarterback in NFL history. Is that a bad thing? No. But in that pursuit, what's the end result of that pursuit? What if I become the best NFL quarterback in ever? What's the end? Okay, I die. Okay, and without God, I die, I turn into dust, and there's nothing, right? Okay, but with God there is. And so he's saying, hey, their minds, or their mindset is set on futility. Okay, even if they don't think that, or even if they don't understand that. And our minds can do that too. If you keep going in verse 18, he says, uh, talking about the futility of their minds being darkened in their understanding. Okay, they're darkened in their understanding. They can't see the truth. Okay, they can't see the truth. They're darkened in their understanding. Okay, for example, if I'm that NFL quarterback and my pursuit is to be the best NFL quarterback in the league, and that's not a bad goal. Okay? But if that's my, my main thing, my life, that's what I'm pursuing. That's, in my mind, that is the top. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to be the best NFL quarterback ever. Okay? My mind is darkened because I don't see the truth. And the truth is that that doesn't, that doesn't matter. That's a good goal. That's fine. But that doesn't matter in the end. Okay? Without, that doesn't matter in the end. It doesn't matter if I'm the best quarterback ever. And um, that, so that shouldn't be our, our main goal, our main perspective. So their perspective and mindset is set on something that is godless or without God. Okay? Um, and Paul says that's not right. That's not where your mind should be. He's just got done talking about how our mindset should be walking worthy. Okay? Unity. Acting like Christ. Remember um, verse six, 15, 16, uh, just a couple verses before, he said that we should grow up to be the mature man in love. Right? And so we should be walking... Uh, trying to be like Christ in our actions, okay? And we earn rewards in that way, and it's not purposeless. It's not fruitless. It's not empty and void, okay? And that's because we're doing it through Christ. But he says, hey, watch out. Don't walk in that mindset that is purposeless, okay? Then he talks about their position, okay? Their position apart from God, okay? Look at the end of or middle of verse 18. He says, excluded from the life of God, because the ignorance that is in them, because the hardness of their hearts. Okay, so they're apart from God. So we're talking unbelievers here. They are apart from God, right? They're not children of God. As believers, we're children of God. We're not apart from God, right? Now, let me ask you this. In a different sense of apart from God, is there any way that believers could be apart from God? How? By not being in fellowship. So Paul's not saying, hey, watch out because you could lose your salvation. He's saying, watch out, because you can become like them apart from God, meaning you can lose your fellowship with God. And we don't want to lose our fellowship with God, right? We want to be in fellowship with God. And so he's saying, hey, not you can't lose your salvation, 
But you can be like them, excluded from God, not, not on His part, but on your part. Meaning you don't have fellowship with Him right now. So like if I sin, okay? If, I'm, if, I'm sin, if I sin and I'm living in sin, okay, I'm not in fellowship with God. Okay, because First John says God, God's not a, God can't be a part of sin, right? Okay, does that make me no longer a child of God? No, I'm still a child of God, right? Am I still saved? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm not in fellowship. Okay, how do we get back in fellowship? Anybody know? Reese. Yeah, First John one nine. If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That fellowship's restored. It's really cool that God allows us to do that. Uh, but Paul's saying, hey, I don't want you to break that fellowship in the first place. I don't want you to break the fellowship in the first place. I don't want you to live like you're apart from God with a goal in mind that's purposeless, apart from Him. As a believer, I want you to live like one that has the right purpose mindset and that's living in fellowship with God. Does that make sense to you guys? Kind of? Yes? Okay, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Okay. Um, so if you keep going, and uh, they, they're excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is within them. Okay, that Greek word, ignorance, there, uh, you guys can look that up. Uh, you should do a little look up on that. It's a good opportunity for it. But that word has the idea of willful bliss if you go to the Strong's Concordance. Okay, according to Strong's Concordance, that word talks of, kind of means willful bliss. So have you guys ever heard the thing, uh, the saying, ignorance is bliss? Does anybody know what that means? Pretty much means they're pretty much there's what they're saying is that uh, you'll be happier if you don't know. You'll be happier if you don't know, right? So like, uh, if I'm walking on a train track and I know that trains can kill me and I see a train coming, I'm gonna be scared and I'm gonna jump off the train track, right? But if I'm ignorant and I don't think a train could hurt me or don't know a train could hurt me, then I'm just gonna stand there. But I'm gonna be happy, right? Um, and that's a very extreme example, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, but what this willful bliss, that's kind of what I think of here. Is like, hey, if I don't know that there's a God, and I don't know that there's judgment, and I don't know that there's right and wrong, and I don't know that there's truth, then I'm better off because I'm happy. Right? Um, and that's what like an ignorance would be there. And that goes back to the hardness of their hearts, which they're hardening their own hearts, and it goes back to Romans 1. Okay, it goes back to Romans 1. I, I don't know if I have Romans 1 on here. No, I don't, I don't think I do. Yeah. Alright, so that's a Greek word too. Uh, so I don't have Romans 1 on here, but if you want to write that reference down, you can. You can go look at it. Uh, but Romans, the first part of Romans, Paul, again, the writer, he talks about how they know the truth. They can see the truth in creation. They know there's a God but they do something to the truth. Anybody knows what, knows what Paul says there? They do something to the truth. What is that something that people do to it? It's, it's so it's suppress. Okay? And it means to push down. Okay? That's the same thing I think as the ignorance here and the hardening of their own hearts. Is they push down the truth. And, and we can do that too, by the way. What you're talking about. Walking, but, it's like walking around like this. Yes, exactly. It's like, it's like walking around like this. Which reminds me, you know... So have you guys ever seen those things they put on horses? Okay, and they put those things right there. You guys know why they do that? Yeah. So that they only can only see the track. Yeah, so they can only see the track, so they don't get distracted by these other things. And uh, but if you're willfully tuning out God, okay, and only looking at what you want to look at, you might think that you're going to be more joyful or more fulfilled, but you're not. Okay, 
And sometimes stuff we know about God is scary, right? Like, is, is hell scary? Is that the fact that God is a just God scary? Okay, maybe not for us because we believe in Jesus for eternal life, but the fact that God is just and perfect, that's scary because I'm a sinner, right? But it's good and it ends up bringing joy. And so what these people do is they suppress that truth even though they know it. I know God's real. I can see it in creation, but I'm going to push that truth down and I'm going to ignore it so that I can be what I call happier. Okay? And that's what Paul's saying these people are doing. Okay? And this, so if you go on in verse 19, and they have become calloused. Okay? They have become calloused. That word callous is like being numb. Okay? They've been calloused. And so they suppress the truth. They suppress the truth and they ignore it and they harden their own hearts and to the point where they get callous, to where they don't feel it, they don't see it anymore. They don't see truth, they don't see it on purpose. Okay? And um, we can do this too. Okay? And Paul doesn't want us to go there. Okay? But we can ignore truth. Okay? Here's some, a few examples. Okay? I know believers okay, who think that it's okay to kill babies. Okay? And they're believers. Okay? At least everything I know about them, they're believers. Okay? And they think it's okay to kill babies. But the reason that they think it is okay is because they have suppressed the truth. They have ignored the truth and hardened their own hearts so much that they think it's fine. They don't think that that's true anymore. They don't think that, uh, you know, that is a baby anymore. They've suppressed the truth to the point where they don't think that. Even though they know it, they don't think it. Okay? They change their mindset on it. Um, sometimes we can suppress the, the truth, like I said, about um, just about God. Okay? Uh, some, like, for example, sometimes we don't understand something about God. Okay? There's been a lot of times in my life where I haven't understood something about God. Okay? And there's probably been in your life, and there will be if there hasn't. You know why? Because His ways are way much higher than our ways. And His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. He's God, so we can never understand Him, right? So there might be something that we can't understand about God. And you know what the easy thing to do is? Ignore it. And just say, hey, I don't, I don't want to, I just, I want to ignore that. But you know what the right thing to do is? Say, hey, God is so much higher than me. And so much higher than my ways. And that's okay that I don't understand everything about Him. Okay? Uh, and there's lots of ways that we can suppress the truth. There's lots of things that we can do that say, hey, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to know that. Okay? Um, if we like sin. Okay? How many of, how many of you like sin? That's a good question. Okay, all of us, right? All of us like sin. So if there's a sin that we really like, how easy is it for you to convince yourself that that sin is okay? Think about it in your own mind. For me, really easy. It is really easy for me to convince myself that that sin is fine. It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Okay, and so for us, we can suppress the truth. What's the truth? That that's sin. But we can push that truth down to a point where we even get callous to certain sins and stuff like that. Okay, Paul's point here, his whole point is that the way of the unbeliever is that they suppress the truth because they want to ignore it. And we shouldn't be like that. We should live in the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What is the truth? The Word. Jesus says, Thy word, or Your Word is truth. I'll just go to King James on that one for some reason. Your Word is truth. John 17, 17. Okay, so let's look at the, the last one uh, for these guys. Okay, the pursuit. Their pursuit. What are they pursuing? Okay, and we already talked about their mindset, what their goals and their mindset is. We already talked about their 
uh, position, uh, where they are positioned. Let's talk about their pursuit. And we've already kind of been talking about it a little bit. But if you continue going on, uh, he talks more about the position when he says in verse 19, they have given themselves over. Okay, that given, okay, that's pursuit. That's they're actively giving. Okay, they're giving themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Okay, so they're actively working towards something, and that something is not worthy. Okay, I think this goes back to verse 1. What does Paul say that we should actively be pursuing? Verse 3, verse 1, all that. Walking worthy, we should be pursuing unity. Okay, so he's making a contrast here, I think. We should be walking worthy, pursuing uh, pursuing, sorry I can't say that word, unity. Okay, is the unity of the body and maturity in Christ worthy? Is it a worthy goal? Worthy pursuit? Yes. Does it have benefits in this life and the afterlife? Yes. Okay, what these people are pursuing, is that worthy? No. Is Does it have uh, benefits in the afterlife? No, it doesn't. And honestly in this life it's not a lot of benefit either. Okay, it may be some fleeting pleasure. It's not a lot of benefit in this life either. So uh, I think Paul's making a distinction here and saying that, hey, you guys need to be walking worthy, pursuing unity. These guys are not walking worthy, and they're giving themselves over to every kind of impurity and greediness or lustfulness. And so what the idea here is, is that these guys are giving into what they want. Okay, they're giving into what they want every day. Whatever I want, that's what I'm going to do. Okay? That's the lustful desires, okay, and greediness. Greediness, uh, that word greediness, it's got like a wide scope of meaning in the Greek, but it's like selfishness, greedy, what I want, what I, so that's the idea there, is that I'm doing what I want to do, okay, and that goes back to the impurity or lustfulness and sensuality. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm pursuing what I want, okay, and that's ultimate selfishness. Now, as a believer, can we act like that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we can be selfish, right? We can act selfishly. Okay, in fact, if you just take a few minutes, and I know this is probably true because it's true of me, if you take a few minutes and look over the past few days, and you say, how many of my thoughts were selfish, and how many of my thoughts were selfless? Okay, sometimes it's kind of eye-opening, right? It's kind of eye-opening. It's like, man, I have a, I have a lot of selfish thoughts. I think a lot of things about what I want instead of what other people want or what God wants ultimately would be what it would go back to. And so Paul's saying, hey, their entire life is spent seeking what they want. They are seeking their own desires. Don't fall into the trap of seeking your own desires as well. And we know he's saying don't do that because of verse 20. Look at it. Okay, This is the new man. Look at verse 20. He says, but... You did not learn Christ in this way. Okay, you did not learn Christ in this way. Did you ever you ever hear your mom or dad say, Well, they didn't learn that from me? How many of you guys ever heard that? Okay, my my parents, I heard my parents say that, right? Well, he didn't learn that from me. Well, he didn't learn it from me. Well, I don't know where he learned that. You know? Well, Christ, that's uh that's kind of what Paul's saying. He's like, Well, you didn't learn that from Christ. Okay? You didn't learn how to pursue your own desires from Christ. You didn't learn how to live selfishly by Christ. You didn't learn that from him. Right? That's what Paul's saying. You didn't learn this from Christ. Okay, this isn't who Christ is. This is your own flesh pulling you down. It's Satan pulling you down. And so uh, he says, hey, you didn't learn this from Christ. And look, go, keep going on in verse 21. It says, if, if indeed you have heard him 
and have been taught in Him, just as truth is in Jesus. Again, he says truth is in Jesus there. Uh, but first we want to talk about that if. Okay? So in Greek, okay, a little Greek class, okay, there's four kinds of ifs. Really three of them are used in the Bible. Okay? They are, the, the first one would be called first class if. Okay? And it's if and it's true. The second one is called second class if. And it's if and it's not true. And the third one is if and maybe it's true, maybe it's not. So the third one's like how we all use it. Okay, so it'd be like, well, if they're going, I don't know if they are. I don't know if they're not. Okay, the first one is, hey, if Gatlin's name is Gatlin, then his name is Gatlin. Well, if and it's true that his name is Gatlin, then his name is Gatlin, right? And then if and it's not true would be, if Gatlin's name is Wiley and it's not Wiley, then his name is not Gatlin, right? So if and it's not true, okay? So this if is if and it's true. Okay, this is the first one. So he says, if you have heard, or that if indeed is one Greek word. So if indeed you have heard, and you have, if you have been taught, and you have been taught, okay, in Him just as in truth in Christ. So he's saying, hey, you've been taught the right way. You've been taught by Christ. Remember? You didn't learn how to be selfish from Christ. You actually learned the truth. In verse 22, uh, that in reference to your former manner of life, that you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with lust of deceit. Okay, so he says here, to lay aside what? All that stuff we've just been talking about. He says, lay that aside. Why? Because that's all who we are naturally. Right? We've been talking about how terrible it is uh, for this mindset to be set on the things of the world, the things of death, all that. But that's who we are. Remember Ephesians 2, 1 through like 5 or 6 or whatever, or what 1 through 3 really? We are those people that are pursuing our own selfish desires. That's who we are, but Christ, right? And so now we don't have to live like, what, like that. So he says, hey, Paul says, put that off. Get rid of that. Put off that old man, that old way of thinking, okay, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. And verse 23 and that you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Okay? Put off the old, the empty, the futile ways, and renew your mind. Rather than that, we should renew our mind in truth. Okay? Which is back to uh, the end of verse 21. Jesus in truth. That's what they've learned, so they should be renewing their mind on that, on the truth. Uh, when I think of this, I think of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay? It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice acceptable with God, which is your spiritual service work worship. Okay, and then verse 2, I love it. He says, and do not be conformed to the world. All that old self that we've been talking about, that's the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be prove what the will of God was good and acceptable and perfect. He says we need to renew our mind. And when I think about this, I think about a couple things. Okay? Um, this quote right here, this, this is a JB quote, okay? If you're not continuously being transformed, you're, or consciously being transformed, you're unconsciously being conformed to the Word. So we need to be actively uh, renewing our mind on truth so we can be transformed by the Word of God. Okay, but I think of these two things, okay? What are they? What's the one on the right? Chameleon. Chameleon. The one on the left? Tadpole. Tadpole. Okay, chameleon and tadpole. Now the reason I think of this, okay, and this is just how it organizes in my mind. I don't know. But the chameleon, he conforms to whatever's around him, right? If he's on a green leaf, what color does he change to hide? Green. green. 
If he's on a brown branch, what color is he turn? So he can't be seen. So that way he can't be seen and he won't be noticed. Okay, now, he's changing. Okay, he's changing, but he's changing okay, to the whatever's around him. Okay, now the tadpole, is he changing? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's changing, but how is he changing? Big old juicy frog with juicy frog legs that we can fry up and eat, right? So that tadpole, he's becoming who he's meant to be, right? The tadpole was born to be a frog, right? Okay? And so as believers, we're reborn to be like Christ. We should be transforming into an image that looks like Christ. Okay? Kind of weird, but the frog would be Christ. Like we want to look like Christ. We want to look like a frog. Okay? The tadpole... Very good frog. Okay. <laughs> so we want to be transformed, turning into who we should be, regardless of what's around us. Right? We don't want to be like a chameleon who changes based on what's around us. If our friends at school are acting the way they shouldn't, oh, we start acting that way. If they're cussing at school and using the Lord's name in vain at school, we start doing that. But if we're at church, we start acting like church people. But if we're... Over here, we start acting this way. See, that's being conformed to the world, changing to become more like the world. Okay, But being transformed, you're still changing, but you're changing uh, to be who you're supposed to be. Does that make sense to you guys? That's kind of like the illustration I think of. Um, but we have this new man. Okay, And look at this. Look at this in verse 24. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of who? Of God, as being created in righteousness, holiness, and truth. Okay, how can our new man be created in righteous holiness and truth? Because Jesus died, paid for our sins, and rose again. Okay, and because of His righteousness, we have a new inner man. We can be righteous now. And we are declared righteous, but we can act like righteously as well. And we can live according to that new man. We can live like Christ. We can mature to become like Christ. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, and... With this whole thing, I know I'm going long, but like with this whole lesson, this is something that like 80%, okay, 80% of you guys in here, according to statistics, will stop going to church and will start living like the old self when you get to college. 80% of you. That's the statistic. That's what every 80% of kids do that. Okay, 80% of you stop. Living like the new man when you leave and go to college and start living like the old man. 80% of you. Okay, so if you guys, like you guys can sit in here and you guys can hear Ephesians and you guys can talk to Brent and me and Haley and Lori, all you want in here. But if you're not determined in your mind, like right now, to say, hey, when I leave, when I get out from under my house, my parents' house, I'm going to continue living like the new man. If you're not determined right now, it's not going to happen. It will not happen. I don't care if you go to a Christian college or a secular college, or don't go to college at all, it's not going to happen. Okay? 80%. 80% of the time, you're not going to do it. Okay? And so, the reason this is so important for you guys, okay, right now, you may say, hey, I have a few little things I need to change, and there's a, you know, I could do a little bit better in this area, uh, and that's good. And right now, you're in a good youth group with, like, good peers around you, and it's easy. But, man, it's going to be hard soon. And you're not going to live like the new man soon. A lot sooner than you think. And for some of you, like next year, right, Gallon? And so if Gallon's not determined right now, then when he goes off to who knows where, away from his parents, 
He's going to start, it's going to be the easiest thing to do is going to start living like the people around him. All right? It's even easy now, but it's going to be even easier then. And so you guys need to be determined in your mind right now that, hey, I'm going to be living like the new man now, and I'm going to be continuing to live like the new man forever. I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. Okay? Regardless of whether I'm 12 or whether I'm 90 years old, that's what I'm going to be doing. That's my pursuit. Because I don't want worthless pursuit. I want pursuit that matters. I want my aim and my goal in life to matter. Okay, that doesn't mean that you have to be a youth pastor. It doesn't mean you have to be a preacher. Okay, but that means that in your life, your goal is to please God. You guys remember Enoch? We talked about him on Wednesday nights, like three nights ago or three weeks ago. Okay, what it, what was he commended for? Walking with God, and in Hebrews, pleasing God. His goal in life was to please God. Okay? And our goal in life, way too often, is to please ourselves. At least for mine. Okay? And so you guys, the impact, okay? the impact is renew your mind with truth and act like who you are. Okay? If you've put your faith in Jesus for eternal life, you're a child of God. So, so act like it. Like, act like you're a child of God. Stop acting like you're not a child of God. Okay? And just because you act like you're not doesn't mean you're not. We all know that. But it's easy to act like a child of the devil. Okay, you guys remember Peter? Who, who thinks that Peter was like an awesome dude, on fire for God, like great man? Okay, everybody, right? Because he was awesome. Okay, you guys remember the story about when he comes and he says, hey, uh, G, well, Jesus is talking to all his disciples, right? He's got his disciples with him. He's talking to them. Jesus is like, you know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Okay, but Jesus is like, you know, I'm about to have to go suffer some things. I'm about to, I'm about to go die. And Peter's like, Jesus, come here for a second. He takes Peter, he takes Jesus aside, he says, it says he rebukes him. Okay? So he says, Jesus, you can't talk like that. You're not going to die. Okay, well, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let you die. Okay? And what did Jesus say to Peter? Does anybody know? He said, get behind me, Satan. Okay, why is he called Peter Satan? Because he's saying, he's saying um, don't do this because... Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's, he's ignoring God's plan and pursuing whose plan? His own. Do you think he loved Jesus? Yes. Yeah, he loved Jesus. He didn't want Jesus to die. Like, who would want Jesus to die if Jesus was right beside you? And so his own plan, his own desires, his own selfishness said, I don't want you to die. So Jesus, I'm going to rebuke you. You will not die and I won't let it happen. And so Jesus said, that's Satan's plan. Okay, and how often do we act like that? I want what I want, not what you want, God, what I want. Okay? So the whole the whole point of this, the whole impact is renew your mind on truth and act like who you are, not like who you were. Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions, Regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.